You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Alan Aguirre. A Faceless Gen production. Of a, of the son of a king, right? <laughs> All right. So this is a good story. When I met Alan, he scared me too. <laughs> so, for those of you guys who don't know, I used to be in a rock band from Wisconsin, and so we were playing concerts and stuff, and traveling and. You know, had CDs and everything. It was like the real deal, you know. So we were like, well, we should go to GMA Week 2008. Huh? I'm about to. I've got notes. If you want to tell the story, you can... Go, yeah, go take a break. GMA Week is a thing. It stands for Gospel Music Awards. It's in Nashville, Tennessee, which is like the capital of Christian music. Or at least, I don't know, probably used to be. I don't know if it still is. And so, everybody who was anybody in the music industry would go to the Renaissance Hotel and Conference Center in downtown Nashville. And, uh, you know, producers, radio people, festival people, bands... They have a lot of showcases at all the venues. So it's kind of a big deal. And so my band, we were looking forward to a productive summer, setting some goals and making some plans. We headed down in a rental minivan that we got on the cheap with excitement and anticipation. Who would we meet? Who would we see? Who's going to sign us? You know, we were excited. I'm using these notes because I wrote them four plus years ago. And uh, they capture the passion from the moment really good. Let's see, I'll skip that paragraph. <laughs> yeah, so we planned, to, we planned to spend the next week meeting everybody and everyone who was anyone in the Christian music business. We made it our mission to be the most visible band there. And I think we might have accomplished that. It was a big, it was a big deal because we were stupid kids. And we thought, like, we were going to go down there and, you know, we were talking a big game. We're like, we're a bunch of Christian kids and we're ready to change the world because we're living for Jesus and we do it better than everybody. So one guy we met was named Alan Aguirre. Actually, one of my, my guitarists met him first. He just walked up to him and introduced himself and started a conversation because that's what you do. It's like networking. 
you know, with thousands of people. And you just swap business cards and websites. And So Alan was there. Um, I didn't talk to him for the first conversation, but I was told it was kind of awkward. Later, um, the guitarist and I bumped into him again. And um, I guess he was there doing some TV work. And so we talked a little more, and he was, he kept coming up, he kept coming back to like this certain point to us being in this band. He was like, he was like, why, uh, who the heck needs another Christian band? You know, why does God need another Christian band? I mean, he's really pointing out the simple fact that God doesn't really need Christian bands. Like, I mean, I don't even know what that means. What does that even mean? Christian band. He kept asking us, what do you want to do? What are you going to do? Like, what makes us so special, you know? It was very abrupt. It was very abrasive. And it was right on. Because we, we weren't ready to answer those kind of questions. We were there for business, you know? We were there for, to, like, label people, record label people and stuff. We want to talk about music and production and fans and merchandise. And the funny thing was, like, you know, like I said, I didn't even know who this guy was. I was like, what makes you, <laughs> what makes you the expert? So I forget how that one, that conversation even came to an end, but I was thinking, like, you know, the way he was talking to us, I thought he was like an unsaved, cynical guy, just at GMA to irritate Christians. <laughs> and I put on this, I put, I was half right, because he's saved. <laughs> so later that same day, me and the rest of the band decided to head a few blocks down to grab some lunch. It was like two or three in the afternoon. That won't make it on the recording. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> I thought just let that just let that sink in for a second. I meant to open this one. So we went down to go get lunch. We went to uh, Sabaro, which is a few blocks away. We got our food and we sat down and we noticed the same guy was sitting there alone eating. And because of our conversations before, I figured it'd be cool to sit by him because I was in witnessing mode. I was like, <laughs> I was like we got to save this guy. <laughs> so, so he started asking us questions about the band. Like, and, um, like, how far along we were actually as a band. He was asking us about how often we play and what we draw and how big the fan base was and stuff like that. You know, these are the questions we were ready for. But we realized we couldn't answer them as well as he'd like. Um, through talking with him, we were able to deduce that this guy was in a band at some point or something years ago because he knew a lot. He was knowledgeable and experienced, but whenever we asked him his name or his band or whatever, he'd say, it's not important, it doesn't matter. I'm no one, which was funny. Eventually, 
he let us in on another reason he was at GMA of 08. This was, he was going to be a speaker at this thing called the Objective. So this thing was like anti-GMA, that where the attitude was, if you actually want to be like hardcore for Christ and aren't in it for the business, this is where you need to be and this is what you need to do. So that was good. Yeah, that stuff changed my life. So, uh, so Alan was, uh, he was there to speak on something called the Joshua Principle. Using the book of Joshua, or the story of Joshua, to, um, to show what Christians are able to accomplish and what we are entitled to as God's chosen people after we've beaten the Egyptian slave mentality. Have you guys heard that stuff before? So for the next few hours, he continued to, ha, he continued to spew wisdom. That's what I have written down here. <laughs> he continued to talk about Paul citing the stuff in Joshua, talking about Christ and his disciples. It was, it was, it was all, you know, cohesive, Old and New Testament. He was also full of stories about, you know, being in a band and touring and the business and all sorts of that stuff. So we talked to him for a while. Eventually, we headed back up to the the hotel, and by now it was getting dark. And we sat outside the main front doors, and Alan was continuing to speak. And he was on a bench, and me and the other guys were sitting around. We were just chilling and listening to him. And on the way up there, he had noticed, Alan noticed that I had, like, a major limp. He asked me what was wrong. Because back then, what you guys might not know is I... I busted it in a car crash, like, it was in 03, so it had been five years before. I blew my hip up. I had a couple of surgeries, and it was still messed up then. I was like, uh, you know, it's, it's all arthritic, and it's way shorter than the other leg. And he asked me, well, if, he asked me if I ever had anybody pray for healing, and I said, yeah, but that kind of stuff doesn't happen in America. I went on. I, I went on to explain like what I thought about it. Like Americans don't have that kind of understanding, that kind of honor that people in like third world countries do. So it never happens in America. He was talking. Alan was talking about how Jesus basically how he hand selected his disciples based on duplication. He wanted men who could do what he asked and what he needed and do what he did, and he appointed them to succeed him and go out and do miracles. I mean, it was like. You know, we've heard it before. Uh, teacher, heal the sick. You heal the sick. Teacher, raise the dead. You raise the dead. Teacher, walk on water. You walk on water. And so as he was talking about this, he began to elaborate on Peter walking on the water. I mean, there's Peter. There he was doing the impossible, right? And it was about there. At that moment, when Alan mentioned that Peter was doing the impossible... On the water, I felt the Holy Spirit come down like a tractor beam and whoosh into my body and it healed my leg. No prayer, nothing. I was just sitting there and he was just talking. He was just... So this, is, this was a big deal, this healing, because you got to understand my hip was like really bad. Arthritic, constantly sore. I had, like, no mobility. I used to walk around with a cane. Yeah. 
So I was sitting there, I was sitting on the ground, and I was kind of like, my leg. My leg, you know. And I lifted it off the ground, and I was, um, you know, I was moving it in a way that, like, all my friends knew was impossible. Like, I, I hadn't moved it that way in five years. So the band, um, they were surprised. I wrote here, stupefied. Almost immobilized. They were seeing me move my leg in a way that was previously known to be impossible, and I was without pain for the first time in years. Five years. It had been five years since the accident at that time. So Alan was like, come on, guys, pray for your brother. Like, he had to, like, coax them towards me. Hey! And you got to remember, too, this was happening in front of the biggest hotel. Well, not, I don't know, like, in downtown Nashville, like, at a big hotel, like, a convention center and stuff. So there's, like, people everywhere, and there's a convention going on. So there's a lot of people around. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool. So, as the guys performed scared prayer, Alan was looking for some liquid to anoint me and, and to seal this thing. And I remember Alan had to continue to motivate the guys to pray because everyone was still really freaked out. And I remember calling my wife because she wasn't with me. She was in um, Wisconsin. I called her on the phone, and I was, you know, I was running around, skipping and crying and praising the Lord up and down downtown Main Street, Commerce Street. It was awesome. And so, but somewhere in there, like the order of events is a little bit fuzzy to me still. But what happened was the other guys decided they needed to go away from the situation to figure it out. We just need to get out of here and pray about this. So they led me away. Or they went away. They tried to get me to go with them, but I was like, no, I want to stay here and keep praying because my legs just got healed. And my legs were, I was pain free and could move and everything, but my legs were still a little bit different lengths. So I was like, uh, I'm going to stay here, and me and Alan are going to keep praying for that. So they left, and then a few minutes later, the guys came back up the block, and they begged me to go with them. They're like, you know, I, oh, we just got a really messed up feeling about this. You know? We need to go away together and sort this out. So they all but dragged me away. So we went like a few blocks away into some alley, and I don't really even remember. I just remember being really angry. Because we were sitting there, and after they had left the first time, my leg had started to become painful again, and it stiffened right back up. And so I remember being there with them, and I said, you know, why didn't you believe what was happening to me there? You screwed this up for me. I, you know... I mean, you guys, you guys see what happened there? I remember leaving the guys, and I went back up to where Alan was, because he was still sitting up there, because he was probably pretty shocked and stuff, too. I mean, here we had this amazing healing. God shows up. It's amazing. 
downtown Nashville at the biggest Christian music thing in the world. And there's this amazing spiritual encounter. And people right there who knew me for a long time, they didn't recognize God showing up. The same things we talk about. Fear, doubt, unbelief. It all happened right there. Even when God was right there, like two feet away. So I went back up there, and me and Alan were just sitting there. I don't even remember what happened after that. But I guess the moral of the story is like, you know, you can talk the talk, and you can think you're okay, but if you can't even recognize when God shows up, and you don't know how to handle it, like you're not equipped to handle it, I mean, it's not going to stick. The fear and doubt and unbelief of these other guys got to me. And the thing happened to me. Like, I remember. I was, it was gone. But 20 minutes earlier, I was running around. So it was like, there, there we were, and we were talking a big game, and we had this awesome opportunity, you know, gift-wrapped and handed to us for the most amazing testimony that, could have, that I could have had. And we dropped the ball. Like, we couldn't, it just, we weren't ready. Like, we couldn't handle it. And so my hip went back to crappy, and I had to get it replaced eight months later. So, yeah, this story doesn't have, like, a happy ending in terms of like a physical healing, sticking. But I mean, that's how I met Alan, and that's how I got to, it was kind of my wake-up call to actually pursue the things of God so that when I get a chance to do that again, like I can handle it better. I think that's it. So that's how I met Alan, and that's why I'm here, because we kind of we're kind of stuck together, <laughs> right? Try not to cry because because it did have a good ending. <laughs> a bunch of different areas. What freaked me out about that night is I wasn't looking at him, I wasn't touching him, I wasn't anything. And you can just keep it going. And for some reason, the Lord decided to manifest in a, in a supernatural healing based off the authority of the words I was speaking. And they're not my words. I'm just telling them about Joshua in chapter 1, the principle that we're talking about, that we've been talking about. This is a real thing, man. This is a game-changing thing. His testimony is proof of that. The places he doesn't remember, I remember distinctly. I remember looking at his band and going, Dude, your brother's healed. Go and seal this thing up. And they were like, we need to get away from this guy. He's a warlock. (laughs) That's tragic. It really isn't very funny. Because God came down and they thought it was the devil. Does that sound familiar? Where have you read that? Oh, this is Beelzebub's work. This isn't God. 
And they literally dragged them away. And I just sat there going, wow. I just watched this amazing thing happen and in a matter of minutes. Because see, the, the Holy Spirit, he's like a scaredy cat. If you respond, no, if you react incorrectly, and like Ian said, uh, you're supposed to be believers and you're not understanding that God just showed up and did something and instead you want to go and pray about it, that's the Christian thing to do. Literally. They didn't have an, they didn't have an understanding of, of kingdom. And when they finally did come back, it was tragic. <laughs> and poor Alyssa's on the phone. I don't even know this girl. She was like, what happened? What happened? She was healed. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but... God, God has a system and a methodology, and if you don't submit to that, He does not work in your life. Remember when Jesus couldn't heal because they had the unbelief? It's the same thing. And I was like, "What's wrong with you guys? What happened, man?" And their singer finally showed up. I, I hadn't seen, I hadn't spent any time with him. He wanted to beat me up. He physically wanted to fight me. And I'm like, "I'll still be me when you finish doing whatever you think you're going to do, and you'll still be you." It's just, that's, it's, they don't know how to respond. They respond with violence, fear, doubt, unbelief, all sorts of weird stuff. And I'm like, how can you go and change the world, your generation, because I was like their one-liner or something. We're going to go through re- relevance, through our band and our ministry, we're going to, relevant, through relevance, we're going to change our generation for Jesus. I'm like, how can you do that when you don't even know who God is when He shows up? What do you think you're going to go do? And the greatest thing that could happen, my job is to break up as many bands as I possibly can. <laughs> I say that a lot because it's true. And thank the Lord, their band broke up within four, five, six months. And we got to meet, we met up with Ian again, and this time Alyssa at the same event the next year, and then at Cornerstone, and then the Lord put it on their heart to, to, to be a part of the, our family, our community. And they, they, uh, they just had their four-year anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Nobody lasts that long. <laughs> yeah, their four-year anniversary as part of the community. So that's why I say this thing ended in so many amazing ways. Here's why I thought it was important for Ian to share his testimony. What we're talking about, the kingdom of heaven, how we're talking about it, what we're saying about it, is life. It's a game changer. It will and can and does transform lives. If we don't submit to it and align ourselves with it, what he said happened to him will happen. Nothing. Israel, the first, the the sons of promise, Paul says in Corinthians, we've read it, responded incorrectly and they were killed off in the desert. Ian knows what that's about. Ian and Alyssa can say, wow, we know what that's about. And they also know what happens when you remove yourself from the Egyptian slave mentality and align yourself with the principles of God when it comes to kingdom living. Remember, it's all here. We talked about it. It's all right here. And they know that, but they also know what happens when they have that transformation here. And they've got four years of life. That's, a, that's, an impar- that's an important testimony. What he, what he just said was really important. This is what we're talking about. This is what happens when you submit to it or walk with it and align yourself with it. This is what happens when you don't. <laughs> it's, 
I can sit here and talk, tell, tell you about it till I'm blue in the face. Here's, a li- here's living proof. It's amazing. So I thought it was important because it speaks to the things that we're talking about. It speaks about the fear, doubt, and unbelief. It speaks about the, the trust and the faith. It speaks about the alignment. It speaks about what's, what's Joshua chapter 1? If you be strong and courageous in what? In the instruction of Moses, the teachings and the instructions of Moses, the Torah, to live it, to breathe it, to eat it, to meditate on it. Don't veer to the left. Don't veer to the right of it. Make sure that you meditate and study it and do it. And if you do these things, keep His commandments, you will succeed and prosper in everything that you do. It says that. If you don't, you won't succeed and you won't prosper. You might think you're successful and prosperous, but if it's outside of the Lord's alignment, you will reap what you sow. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. I'm sitting there crying back there because I remember I relive it. Man, it was... It's the power of the Word of God. Either align yourself with it or don't. If you don't want to align yourself with it, man, that's, that's cool too. Pastor Mike and I were talking about that. That's awesome. You don't have to. But you know what? You're probably not going to like being here because we're going, man. We're going for it. And it will become increasingly more uncomfortable. I promise that. I will guarantee you that. I will make it as uncomfortable for you as possible. Who did Jesus show grace, love, and mercy to? Mike and I were talking about that. Those that aligned themselves with the Father. Who did He not offer repentance to? Those that thought they were okay. Like He said, man, so many people believe they're okay and right with the Lord, but when God shows up, they don't know it's Him, and then they miss out. Many are called. Few are chosen. This is a narrow path. It's restrictive, and few find it. It's not a numbers game. He's not into the numbers. He'll, he won't, he'd rather hang out with three people than 30 that don't know what the heck's going on. We're called of the Lord by name, predestined before the foundations of the earth. Man. And it's just going to get trickier. Because God's on the move, man. <laughs>